Hi, this is Trevor Jackson. Welcome to Tomorrow Is Mine. Mekala Egedoweli never envisaged leaving her home city of Kandy in Sri Lanka, where she once felt she had everything that she would ever need. But after gaining her honours in computation and management at a local university and working for a few years in academia there, Mekala felt that she needed to spread her wings in order to advance her career prospects. She began to entertain the idea of furthering her studies as an international student and was drawn to Southern Cross University to study a master's in research, focusing on digital business strategies for small to medium enterprises with limited resources. Not an easy area of research when you consider the rapidly changing rate of technology. Mekala was one of the new influx of international students to arrive on the Gold Coast after Australia's borders opened late last year. And while she's only been here for six months, she's managed to invest an incredible amount of time in volunteering, a pursuit she finds rewarding, not only because it gives something back while providing a deeper understanding of the local community, but also because, in Mekala's words, it just feels good. Mekala, welcome to Tomorrow Is Mine. Nice to have you. Thank you, Trevor. Thanks for having me. That's a pleasure. Now, I would imagine, as I initially thought when I saw your name written, that your name would be pronounced Michaela. Do you get Michaela a lot? Like it's a very westernised yes, version. quite often. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm all right, yeah. Now, as I understand it, your surname is actually a very regal surname. Have you got some royal lineage in your past? Um. Not really, uh, but when I go back, like I've heard some stories associated with, you know, uh, individuals, you know, my grand uncles who have been kind of working for people in the palace. And yeah, I've heard some stories, but you get quite a bit of names like that in Sri Lanka. Yeah. But that is like a name that's associated with royalty somewhere down the line. Is that right or not? Basically, my maternal, if you if you just go back to my maternal side, like they have a big history. That's the same with my maternal side too. So they have some connections. They have had some connections in the past. So on your mum's side, going back a few generations. Yeah. yeah. So on both sides, I would say there have been stories about the grand aunts, grand uncles who had held some posts when, you know, uh, Sri Lanka was a colony. All right. So you're from Kandy. Tell me about Kandy, what your life was like growing up there. Well, uh, I was born and bred in Kandy, so that's like the hill capital in Sri Lanka. I also didn't want to go out of Kandy, like even when I finished schooling, I wanted to go to a university in Kandy. And uh, Kandy's, I would say it's very quiet, laid back, uh, comparatively, you know. If you compare it with other cities uh, in Sri Lanka, like Colombo or any other busy cities, I would say, and a lot of greenery around, and yeah, I'm very close to the city. Um, it's it's a beautiful city. So what kind of childhood did you have? Well, a happy one <laughs> with my grandparents, I would say the extended family. I got to live like, you know, um, we did not have a lot of technology back then. So that was a childhood with, I would say, happy times with loved ones. I was also the only child for like seven years. <laughs> so <laughs> Until your baby brother arrived. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I would I, say spoiled, but yeah, I, I enjoyed every bit of it. 
So when you say extended family with your grandparents, was that in the one house or more like a family compound or what um, was that like? More like a family compound because uh, my parents settled just in cl- close proximity with where my grandparents were. So it's, it was like in the same village. So yes, the same, I would say, yeah, the same compound, just separate. But there were times when my father had, you know, transfers to different cities uh, in Sri Lanka, so we had to go with him. But my grandparents made sure that they, you know, paid visits. Okay. Now, you said you grew up without technology, yet that's where you've pursued your interests as a young woman. So where did that interest develop? Well, um, you know, when I said without technology, I would say in terms of social media and mobile phones, you know, we did not have the access when we were small. And the interest, as you said, you know, it's an interesting story. Like I started off my career, you know, not the career, but academics uh, with a background that had a lot to do with arts related subjects like languages, geography, economics. And then there was a turning point when I started my degree in uh, computation and management right after my A-levels. Right. And was was this in Candy? Yes, that was in Candy. So I always wanted to pursue something that was updated. And I thought technology and business would be a good mix to pursue. Yeah, and I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) You are here. Well, we'll get to how you arrived here shortly. But I still find it interesting growing up in a place that's not a bustling city like Colombo, a very yes. laid-back kind of environment, very green, natural environment from the way you've described it, with not a lot of access to technology, and yet you're pursuing business and technology as your career, which is kind of incongruous to the life that you grew up in, yeah? Or you don't see it that way? Well, I do see that way because um, I think it was about timing, like, Before 2013, I would say, digitalization had not seeped in, like, really well, especially to developing countries like, you know, Sri Lanka. If you compare now, it's it's different. It's much different. But like you said, the irony is the fact that, like, I pursued things that were very close to life, like philosophies and arts and culture. But I always knew that I had a passion to do something that was, you know, tech-savvy. But at the same time, I was not a fan of programming and coding (laughs) and that side. So I was always in the middle, So which is why even in my master's I do how digitalization happens in business organizations. Right. So that was like... Not so much the technical side of the the digital sphere. I wanted to, you know, do something that's updated and new, and it was interesting. Of course, yeah. evolving, so, yeah. yeah. Because you see a future in that? That's where the, the world's heading? I do, yes. There is a future and it's it's something that's evolving every day. A um, lot of new things being added. Even at, you know, when I was in my home university, when I was doing my bachelor's, so my degree was also like a combination. It was interdisciplinary. It had a background like that. So that kind of made me, you know, want to pursue something that was centered around management, but I wanted to see how technology is kind of facilitating the facets, you know, the functions. You said that you never, ever wanted to leave Candy. So why are you here? (laughs) That's the obvious question, isn't it? Well, that's a good question, Trevor. (laughs) So in Sri Lanka, in terms of the climate and the community, I would say the society, I think it's, it's, it's a part of like, it has something to do with how I grew up, I was with my family and I had a very close circle. So 
yeah, it has something to do with like how I grew up and how I wanted my life to be. Like I did not want to be in a busy city. Um, I always liked the relaxed way of life. But like you said, in terms of coming here, coming to the Gold Coast, I also had like a yearning to pursue my studies in a foreign country. You know, I was in academia for a, you know for one or two years and like to climb up the career ladder. I was on the lookout for opportunities. So when I heard the Gold Coast, to be honest, I, did, I had no idea about the Gold Coast. But I googled and I then I realized, okay, I should give a try. And when I came here, I thought I'll miss Candy so much. I, I mean, Candy will always be my home. But now Gold Coast is gradually becoming my second home. Oh, okay. So <laughs> there are other places in the world that are livable that you, you can find that you might actually yes. make you reconsider about where you want to spend your time. Yeah, but right now I think I'm liking Gold Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you like the yeah. Gold Coast so much? Well, the first reason would be how laid back it is, the surroundings, it's so relaxed. And the other thing is the people. And of course, you know, in terms of the surroundings and the environment, like even if I take my university, Southern Cross University, you know, on one side you get the hinterland and on one side you get the beach. And I really like that vibe. (laughs) It's relaxed and I think it makes me productive as well. It's research, I think, it's, it's not like studying and writing, you know, sitting for an exam. It's about researching and thinking, trying to find out new things. I think it matters. Your surroundings matter. Yeah, right. Environment is very yeah, important for that. I just realized I'm on the best place to be. You know, in all the students I've had featured in this podcast series, I think you're the first one that's ever said that. About how important environment is in terms of study and in your case, research. You're doing your master's in business information systems here at Southern Cross, right? That's right. We can talk a little bit about that in a moment, but I find that aspect of it curious because you would not have known that in your research before you left home, would you? I'm assuming that because you've come here in search of a supervisor that was going to align with your interests, that would have been the main driver for why you chose the Gold Coast, yes? Exactly. So when I applied, I was on the lookout for opportunities and just like the other prospective HDR candidates, I started writing to supervisors around the world and I some responded and, you know, that was a time when the borders were closed and things were quite uncertain and I was doing my job there. And then I found the supervisor whose interests tallied with mine because it was always a combination. It, it was very hard to find someone, you know, who is in IT and in, you know, business as well. So then when I wrote to him, he responded. So my principal supervisor is Professor Sedeira. So then I thought I should give it a go because it's basically the research interest of my supervisor. And later on, I thought like, you know, considering everything, I was like, why not? You know, I should try. <laughs> yeah. So the relaxed environment is kind of a bonus that you didn't anticipate exactly. before I you got here. I did not anticipate. I had no clue. Like when I heard about the Gold Coast for the first time, I called my cousin and asked um, all about the Gold Coast because I did not know a thing about it. And I read a lot right after that. I was excited. I was looking at the pictures, Googling. Yeah. How much did you know about Australia generally before coming here? A lot of Sri Lankans would know because of cricket, I suppose. I mean, that's one thing our two countries have in common. But did you have much of an awareness of Australia? You said that you were applying to different potential supervisors around the world. But Australia specifically, how much did you know about this country? 
uh, quite well, I would say, because um, although like you hardly get Sri Lankans on the Gold Coast compared to other cities like Melbourne and Sydney. So with, you know, some of my family, friends and relatives being in Australia, I've heard about the country, like I had heard about the country pretty well. Uh, especially, like you said, cricket. Um, so Brett Lee was like one of my favourite cricketers. <laughs> Brett Lee? Why Brett, why Brett Lee? Well, back then I, I used to watch matches. Now I, I hardly find any time to do that. <laughs> Not surprising. Um, well, yeah. yeah, it's his skill and, uh, you know, how he handled himself. Yeah, yeah his athleticism, and, all that yeah. sort of thing. And I remember like in these documentaries in on, you know, on, in, on socials, we used to see like, in relation to Australia, about the kangaroos, the wildlife, the yeah, yeah, I had heard pretty much about Australia. You only arrived here after the borders opened, so mm-hmm. that's what eight months or so since you arrived. I think seven months, maybe six months. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's call it six months. Yeah. I wouldn't imagine, given that you've been quite busy with your research, that you've had much of an opportunity to experience the wildlife here, or have you? It is on your doorstep in this city, as you say. I know. Like, I got the chance to go to Sydney for a couple of days. So I did have that experience. It was... But I was a bit terrified about the, you know, the koalas, the koala bears. You were terrified of koalas? Really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they drop out of trees on you without warning. Yeah, I was... Horrible, nasty, vicious creatures. I know, yeah. (laughs) I was excited to see them, you know, all the creatures in the zoo. But, you know... When it was like real, yeah, I was. Ter- I'm anyway terrified of you know animals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, unlike Sri Lanka, where there are tigers roaming around in national parks or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah nothing to worry about yeah. at all. You mentioned that you were working in academia for a while in Sri Lanka before you came here. So, what were you actually doing there before you came? Yeah, so this was following my graduation. So usually you don't really get a permanent position right after you graduate there. So then my home university started hiring some demonstrators, like assistant lecturers, on temporary basis. And parallelly, I also got the chance to uh, work for a private university, like which was affiliated with the Swinburne University of Technology. So I was doing some visiting lectures um, on a different module. And like it was timing, you know, everything happened in, you know, the same time frame during that. So I got that chance. And when I joined my home university as an assistant lecturer, I got the response from my supervisor here. I was doing the lectures like, you know, I was um, helping my supervisors over there with marking and I was doing some tutoring. But I was based in the science faculty back home, but I had to work in a different faculty because I always wanted to do something related to management uh, with, uh, I would say, less fo- you know, focus on IT. So, yeah, I, I could tutor around 10 different subjects on, you know, in relation to the management discipline. Okay, so you were well and truly ensconced in academia then for a while before you came here? Yes, I would say a couple of years. Okay. And before that, I was working in you know, another organization, I was doing my internship. It was to complete my bachelor's degree. And right after that, I joined academia. And that was when I decided, okay, I, I should join this field. And then I wrote to supervisors because getting a research master's or a PhD would definitely help you to sort of climb up the career ladder. Coming to Australia, was that a daunting prospect, though, to leave your family, this close-knit family, this environment in Candy that you'd always loved, that you never thought you'd ever want to leave, 
How difficult was it for you to give that up and go off to this country that you'd never been to before? Where I'm presuming you probably didn't know anyone, certainly not in this city anyway. Well, um, initially when I heard that, okay, these opportunities there and though the borders were closed, like someday I had, like I knew that I have to take this chance, like, you know, I have to go ahead. So when I told my parents, well, they were very happy. And we didn't really feel that at that point because we knew it, it would take some time. The borders were closed. But they also knew that I had kind of an ambition to pursue my studies there. So it was for the good. But when the day arrived, there was a time when I had to leave Candy. I had to leave for Colombo. And I stayed there for three days because my husband is from Colombo. So we spent a couple of days there and then we left for Australia. So that was like hitting me so hard. I didn't even like want to look at my parents' faces at the airport because I told you like I was born and bred in the same town. I did not have the experience of, you know, staying away. So it was very hard. But with time, I think it was easier than I thought when I came here. We were in touch and we are still in touch. Um, I think it, it was all right. I think it's about timing. But I would say, yeah, it was very hard in the beginning, especially when I was leaving for Australia at that point. You weren't coming alone, as you mentioned, your husband has come with you. So that in some ways could complicate the issue because it's also about accommodating his interests. I'm assuming that he didn't have any qualms about leaving Sri Lanka to come here as well? Not really. Uh, Well, in that sense, like I'm very fortunate because um, when I broke the news to him, like for the first time, He was very happy. I didn't expect that because he was kind of established in his career there and it was going to be like a whole different scenario when he accompanies and comes to Australia with me. But he was happy. He was like, okay, let's take this chance and let's look for opportunities. And then he was also like interested. He was looking out for chances out there. And even when we came here, he was supporting me like nothing. So there was no, you know, he was not fussing at all. (laughs) It was good. Yeah, it's wonderful. Of course, you know, part of the condition of the student visa is you both can't be students. Exactly. So, so he needed to, to be work. working. Yeah. yeah. And he's in hospitality. So I guess for him coming to the Gold Coast, there would have been a lot of opportunities here. Yes, absolutely. So when I told you, like, I had never heard about Gold Coast back then. And when we just searched, we found that it's like a, you know, a destination, a tourist destination. And a lot of opportunities are there. So we were positive, I would say. He was positive too. Uh, But I think we came here at the right time when there were like so much of opportunities and I think he got lucky. Yeah, and is he enjoying it too? He's enjoying it. He's liking the vibe very much. (laughs) (laughs) Where is he working here? Um, Right now he's working for the Eden Health Retreat in Karambin as a front office manager. That sounds nice. Enjoying that, yeah. He's enjoying that. So it's been the right move for both of you. Yes, absolutely. Now, when I look back, I'm I'm happy that I took the move. So tell me how you met, because if he's from Colombo and you're from Candy, how did you guys meet? You never wanted to leave Candy, so I'm assuming he must have come to Candy at some stage. (laughs) Yes. So he's originally from Colombo, but you know we were family friends. Um, I had met his family like a couple of times before I met him because he was not in the country at that time and uh, like it dates back to like decades you know Um, like if you take the friendship our fathers had like 
for around 40 years. 40 years. Your respective yes. fathers have been friends and exactly. you'd never met your husband. No. <laughs> I had met his family and uh, yeah, I've heard by that time I had heard about him yeah. and when he came to Sri Lanka, yeah, we met and yeah, it happened. So the fact that you already knew your future in-laws was that a was that a deal breaker? Like, well, at least you knew what you were getting into before you even <laughs> met your future husband. Well, that was good. Uh, like <laughs> everything was comfortable because we knew each other. We know where we are, we were coming from, and it was very good. Like in terms of communication, I mean, in, in real too, <laughs> I find it very comfortable, and I, I'm glad. And is it true you share the same birthday? Yes, we yeah. share the same birthday, but, you know, six years apart. Yeah. And that also happens to be your wedding anniversary? Yeah. <laughs> done good research, Trevor. <laughs> wow, that's so really I unusual. The birthdays were like, it was a coincidence. Like, we didn't know that before. But the wedding, we actually planned, like... <laughs> okay, of course you did. Years. Yeah. Well, no excuses for forgetting. <laughs> it's yeah. like, so what do you do every year on your anniversary? Like, is it one big celebration? Because oh, well... <laughs> Let's get everything out of the way, all in one day every year, birthdays, anniversaries, the whole lot. Yes, and that's really good because we don't tend to forget each other's <laughs> birthdays. Um, now it's like a part of life, so every June we just, maybe we do something small. So back home we used to visit our parents, um, just, you know, have a small celebration with family. It's good. <laughs> All right. Now, your master's in business information system, so it's a master's, but it's a research master's. So right, does this right. suggest that you're thinking about moving into a PhD from here? How does this work? Yes. So uh, this is a two-year master's program. It's a research master's, like you said. So I have like a couple of options. I can extend this project to a PhD, which means I can take either two more years to do a PhD right after completing the master's or I can take like all three years to do the PhD but the plus point is like I get to extend the same project to a PhD if I like so it's going to be the same thesis with some added methodologies and more findings. Okay yeah well it would almost to my way of thinking seem like a waste not to do the PhD if you've already done the groundwork you've already half done it I yeah, guess yeah. yeah so it's it's I think it's a good chance for me to sort of get the basics done, like the foundation, right after the bachelor's, because I graduated a year or yeah, a year ago. So I think it's good to like learn, you know, just take it slowly. Of yeah. course. Tell me about your research and where you're hoping it will lead you. Yeah, so my research is on the digital business strategy in the resource constrained environments. So here the resource constrained environments are basically the small and medium enterprises uh, or the organizations in developing countries in the third world nations. Uh, so I'm looking how digital business strategy is implemented at such organizations, but it's very broad. Like, you know, you can get um, organizations in different industries. For instance, uh, I'm trying to look at how, specifically how the um, organizations in the content marketing industry are implementing the digital business strategy now because I'm aiming at a um, paper which I'm co-authoring with my supervisor. So yes, I'm looking at how the implementation happens and what are the trends and we've just figured out that um, not many studies have taken place in relation to the SMEs or the developing countries because digitalization is something that's evolving every day. 
and I think that it's helping me to kind of climb up the career ladder because that is what I have been doing a couple of years back, like ago. In candy? So, yes. So basically, if you take my bachelor's degree, that also relates to what I'm doing right now. It's um, a combination. So I think it, it's all connected and it's um, helping me grow as an academic in future, hopefully. So if I get this right, you're looking at organisations that have limited resources and how they're implementing digital strategies Correct. to advance their businesses. Correct. So what strategies, what platforms. Correct. Okay. Yes. I imagine that's quite difficult when technology is changing so quickly and strategies having to change almost as quickly to keep up with that. How do you research that when you can't predict what's going to happen in the future? Yeah, like I said, it's evolving. And like you correctly mentioned, like, it's very, it depends from organization to organization because strategy is like a, you know, a blueprint. It's like a plan you set out to implement something. So what I do is it's, Right now, it's purely qualitative, which means I do case studies or like I do interviews. So I do have now I have started doing that. I do collect data by interviewing some individuals who are hailing from, you know, different organizations with resourceless um, contexts. You know, for instance, if I take a chief digital officer, I do some interviews with him and maybe a follow up. And then I, you know, try to get my findings and so right now I'm at that stage ah, right. trying to you know um, so you're looking at particular case studies on different organizations and exactly and I'm looking at developing your research yeah yeah so in coming to the Gold Coast we were aware that it's often referred to as the small business capital of Australia mm-hmm. so you've got a lot of SMEs here were you yes. aware of that when you came here to start your research when I came here, I realized that. Um, <laughs> but not now, beforehand. No, initially of... I was planning to collect data from a couple of developing countries like Sri Lanka, Bangladesh or India. But when I came here, I realized, uh, so like I tweaked it a little, thinking that, okay, there are organizations with resource constraints, even in developed countries, which would give me a chance to reach out to those who are doing the, you know, running enterprises in Australia. So, yeah, I'm planning to do that too. So your focus has shifted slightly since you've come slightly, here. Slightly um, yeah. in terms of, you know, collecting data, but it's the same focus. So when you first mentioned to me that you were looking at developing countries, my immediate thought was, oh, you must be planning to go back home to utilise that knowledge mm-hmm. to implement strategies to help organisations at home. But is that changed now? Are you thinking, wow, the Gold Coast isn't a bad place to live. Maybe I'm not in a hurry to go back home. I don't know. You tell me. Well, in the long run, I really wanted to give back to like what really led me here. So it was free education. So though I was sent to a private school, when I got my bachelor's, it was truly free education. So it was free and I was fortunate. So in the long run, yeah, that would be Definitely, like, that's in my list. Um, I'm thinking on that because Sri Lanka really needs that. Like, you know, even in future, it will help our country to grow. But in the short run, I would say, given that we have, you know, all the technologies and, like, you know, access via technology, we can easily contact. You don't have to, like, physically be there in Sri Lanka to collect the data. Of course. In terms of collection, I think I can do that virtually, but... In terms of the findings and how I'm going to sort of contribute to uh, from where I'm hailing, I think, yeah, I, that's definitely on my list. Um, Makler, if I understand this right, you're thinking that 
in the short term, maybe Australia might be where you'd like to be for some time, for a little while? Yeah, especially in terms of experience. Like, I'm on the lookout for, like, work experiences. In terms of that, I, I would say I see, like, there's a lot of opportunities here. So I won't think twice to, like, you know, grab them. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. What about Southern Cross University itself? How have you found that? Because you've studied previously at university in Kandy. Mm-hmm. How do those experiences compare now that you're here? Well, um, I should say, like, SCU has like a lot of opportunities, especially for international students. Uh, when I came here, um, well, I, I, I observed a couple of differences, obviously, like with the context it changes. Well, in terms of, uh, I would say, teaching and even how communication happens and even in terms of the policies or how, you know, education as a whole um, and the support systems, how you know, how the hierarchy is established, everything, I, I did see a difference. It was not a shock. I knew, like, it is what it is. Like, you know, in back home, like, we had certain parts were rigid. For instance, if you get um, the avenues to study, you don't have really, like, you know, interesting uh, combinations like the Australian universities offer here. Uh, some avenues are rigid, but now it's slowly, you know, it's just developing in Sri Lanka. A break away from more traditional study pathways. Yeah, the stereotypical way of study. It's a more fluid kind of approach in terms of your own interests. Yes. Right. And also I saw that it was more uh, teacher-centric back home, but here it's student-centric. Like it's it's, it's, it's centered around the student and there was a lot of, you know, two-way communication happening and it was interesting. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. When you say teacher-centric at home, are you talking about hierarchical or are you talking more about that it's not so much a two-way engagement, it's more of a, this is the lesson I'm going to teach you and you're going to learn it? Yes, in most slots I observe that, but I can see that changing now, like, you know, with all the new methods being introduced, uh, strategies being introduced. I felt like when I was leaving um, the university as an an assistant lecturer, I did see that, you know, changes were taking, happening, uh, taking place. Yeah. Do you um, find it a more collaborative learning environment here between yes. teachers and students? Yes, I do say that. Yeah. It's more close and also like everything is casual. So, <laughs> which I would say when you really do things like research, it's really good like to have casual ways of doing things. It helps you to kind of be broad-minded. <laughs> Not so rigid. And be creative, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel supported as an international student at Southern Cross? Do you feel that you're given a lot of resources and, and support? I do. Um, there's a lot of re- lot of support, I would say, if you take um, the international office itself. Um, a lot of international students from around Nepal, India, Sri Lanka. There's, like, a lot of diversity, which is why, like, I love to, you know, to go to uni on a daily basis. And it's, it's really nice. Um, there's a lot of, now that the students are making it physically, most of them, to uni. And the support, uh, well, in terms of support, uh, the international office is, like, amazing. Like, it's just one or two emails away or a call away. You can just meet them. And the supportive really, like, really great. And specifically, like, from my supervisors also, I get, like, massive support. And from the faculty, it's, it's good, yeah. You talked about the diverse um, cultural environment at Southern Cross University. I think yesterday was Fusion Festival, which is a, yes. a wonderful event that celebrates that cultural diversity on campus. 
I understand you volunteered for that. What was your experience of your first Fusion Festival yesterday? Oh, uh, to be honest, I was so excited. Like, uh, I've seen these documentaries and the videos, and then I was volunteering with them as an international student ambassador. And uh, also, I got the chance to volunteer with the team at Study Go Course, the Student Hub. It was amazing. Like, I got to meet different people hailing from different walks of life, different uh, cultural backgrounds, and there were some interesting items. I really liked it. It's great to see all those students performing traditional dances or songs yes, or uh, and really workshops. just workshops. Oh, ah, yeah, it's it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You really feel a part of that melting great. pot that is the Southern Cross University yes, campus, don't you? Exactly. You've done a lot of volunteering since you've got. You've only been here six months, and already, correct me if I'm wrong, but you volunteered for Bleach Festival, which is a the Gold Coast biggest cultural festival, which happens at different correct. locations all over the city. You've also volunteered for the Gold Coast Student Fair and the Gold Coast Careers Festival as well. Have I missed anything? No? No, you didn't. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot of volunteering in six months when you've got all this work to do, all this research work to do, and you're very new here to this city. (laughs) Why are you drawn to volunteering? Well, uh, it all started when I was in Sri Lanka. So at school, like, we had this club that operated under the Rotary International. You might have heard of the Intra Clubs. Yes. So that is when I did my first community service project. Like, I got to chair a couple of projects. um, And, like, you know, my mother being an educator in a rural school in Sri Lanka, we ran a project called Rayo di Esperanza, which means a ray of hope to the less fortunate individuals. If I go back, That's where it all started, in my uh, school, where I got my secondary education. And then, like, fast forward to 2022, like, I missed that when I was doing my bachelor's because because of the workload and all that. And when I came here, I realized, okay, Gold Coast has, like, so many opportunities. And it's not just about, you know, serving, of course, giving back to the community is one of the reasons why I do that. But it's about you get to meet a lot of people and it's not just a student sometimes you know it's very interesting to talk to them network and I really find it like especially when I need a break like from studies I am always open to volunteering because it it makes me like genuinely happy and it feels good (laughs) and you learn a lot like in terms of how things happen here how certain things are being organized so it's a learning experience too. When you're volunteering for something like a, a citywide event like Bleach Festival, mm. you're also working with a lot of Australian volunteers. There's, yes. yes, international students do contribute to that, as you did, but obviously there's a lot of locals that volunteer for that across different generations, so older people, younger people. So did you get a better sense of the local community through volunteering in that event? Absolutely. I think that was one of the you know best things that happened. You know, when I volunteered... I just got to share like things, you know, even they were interested, most of them were like very excited when they knew that I am from Sri Lanka and I'm from South Asia and they wanted to know about the cultures and we exchanged them. And I think it's an opportunity to learn how things really, you know, work here. And they share their own stories, like little stories about how things happen. And like they're from all walks of life, not just students, like you said. And I think it's it was amazing, especially at Bleach. Like, it was not just from one age group. Like, you get to meet people from, uh, like, you know, a number of age groups and people working in different fields, arts and culture, and, again, technology, you know, that kind of spheres. 
Plus, it's a wonderful event. There's some amazing artistic performances and exhibitions as part of that festival. I really liked it. It was different to what I have, you know, done, like, before that, you know, compared to the other events. Oh, yeah, it's not like a traditional festival either. It's a very different kind of arts festival. It was very nice. Yeah, it was a good experience. (laughs) One of the aspects of Bleach is it's about the beach culture and how the community has shaped this part. Of, exactly. of Australia. So did you get, a I think, a better understanding of what the Gold Coast was about, its history and where it's come from? I did. Oh, I did. Um, so they had these um, events, you know, certain items, especially like the first light and the last light, featuring a lot of performances by the First Nations individuals. Yeah, down by the beach. Yes. Yeah, yeah at North Pearly. Getting up at dawn and seeing that. and yes, then, yeah. it was so nice. That, that and yeah, I, I really, it was actually... Um, you know, I, I learned so much about the culture, especially when I got to talk with the natives and when they shared and, like, it was real. It was not like you go and read some uh, document or you check or, that, you Google it. Or a tourist it, it bus so, tour, yeah, bus yes. trip or something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah so you met some Indigenous Australians too, yeah. through the festival? Through the festival. And it was different. It's it's not like the the usual student cohort differences and it was beautiful now i know you've only been here six months but do you feel already because i'm getting a sense of this maybe i'm reading this wrong but do you feel that there's already been a change in you in this experience some sort of transformational change or something about you that maybe you see the world differently or maybe you experience life differently or maybe you're more open to different things i don't know has there been any noticeable change that you can ascertain yeah there have been like in terms of changes especially when i you know, in the first couple of months when I noted how how simple certain things are, like in terms of the lifestyles and the priorities in life, you know, it was all new to me, to be honest. But right now, like, there had been certain, you know, changes in lifestyles. If, for instance, I used to be a night owl, like, for, like, way back, you know, since I was home. But now, like, I I start the day early and when I look back, I just realised, okay, it's about balance. Like, you know, people here give a lot of, um, I would say, they prioritise well-being, health and well-being. So that really was an eye-opener because I used to neglect that a lot. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I used to. You're be... a very healthy young woman, though. You don't look like you've been neglecting <laughs> Thank that. Thank you. Even if you were a night owl. Uh, so, yeah, in terms of perspectives and how I look at things and how I take certain things in and about positivity, those were some good things I learned if I, you know, look back and, in, yeah. Wonderful. So when you say now that you're an early riser, I'm just trying to figure out how that's changing the way you live your daily life because I know a lot of Gold Coasters might get up early and go to the beach, they might go for a surf or a swim or they might just go for a jog or walk the dog, ride the bike, whatever it is. And that's often a big part of the lifestyle here because the climate's so conducive to it. There's not a lot of traffic. There's not. It's not a very busy city. So you've got time to do that and then still go to work. And then... Often, there's still time after you finish work if you want to go back to the beach or you want to play football with your mates or whatever it is. So there's a lot of that sort of thing that that happens here. Mm. Is that it? Are you out doing yoga sessions or something in the morning? Or like what? <laughs> no, about that I thought, because SCU offers like free yoga sessions for students on Wednesdays. So yes. I'm thinking of like joining. You should, uh, well, yeah, take yeah. advantage of that, yeah. <laughs> so I, I usually do some, you know, short workout sessions. Mm. 
not really meditation but you know i put some you know some positive music and just make sure that i start the day right because it can really affect the rest of the day <laughs> and then yeah i head to the university around nine o'clock and now it's like I'm, i'm used to it i think it's good and as part of your research masters you're also had the opportunity to teach at southern cross yeah how have you enjoyed that Oh, uh, well, it was new. I enjoyed it because it was an online student cohort. So it was, I had to do that virtually. It was new as in like, you know, in my home university, I did that uh, most of the lectures physically. And like I said, there there were differences, like so much to learn. So I enjoyed, like the students were very, you know, they were just attending the lectures and we used to like rather than teaching it was like a two way communication we shared our own experiences because students were also hailing from different industries so it was about uh, managing digital enterprises so it was very interesting we used to share the stories and it was just for 6 weeks initially because uh, it depends on that particular course is being offered in a term i get to teach and then i had i i need to wait for the next term if a course I'm interested in comes in so it was very good for right. two months I was doing that and uh, I think it it was it actually gave me a good boost like in terms of my career as well because I did not have the experience of you know in relation to teaching here in Australia but you had been in academia in Sri Lanka yeah, so yeah, you had correct, that yeah correct. but it was different and i learned so many like new things i would say <laughs> i'm pleased to hear that there's so much that you've achieved in just 6 months time where do you think this can take you you know once this is all said and done whether it's just your masters or whether it's a phd mm-hmm. you would be looking for an opportunity here i guess initially before you consider going back home where would you like to be well i'd like to be in a good university i i like southern cross so much i'd see myself as a novice academic right after completing my phd or the masters by research uh, but i also want to be a researcher at the same time not just teaching but i've figured out you know the fact that i like research more so yes i see myself there in a couple of years for someone who never once wanted to leave her hometown of candy it's fascinating to see that mekela's experience on the gold coast has already developed a noticeable change in her approach to life and she's only been here for 6 months i'd be very interested to see the extent of her transformation after a few years here after all that's the power and indeed the attraction of studying abroad it's always so much more than just the prospect of gaining a good education if you'd like to explore some of the other student stories in this series you'll find them at www.studygoldcoast.org.au/podcast my name is trevor jackson and i'll catch you next time for tomorrow is mine